Blog Talk Radio. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee, I Duck. Could it be my time is up with my love? I got up. The cops shot again. Bus stop glass burst. A fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out. I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rat. To the death of it. To everybody. Come on. Little niggas is grown. Hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die. We're not. Out. This is what is about, nigga. The time is fast. All I need is one mic. 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 All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. It's your brother, National Chairman Yang and Krumah. People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I want to thank everyone who's um, tuning in on Tuesday, man, sharing that Tuesday with us. As you know, my motto, man, African communalism is my philosophy. Together, there's nothing we can accomplish. Individualism only ensures a certain doom and end to us as a uh, people. That's what it means. So we offer this program uh, on Tuesdays, the People's Talk. Black, People's Black Panther Party, Blog Talk Radio. We're talking about tonight why we began or why we created the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination, especially in this time of um, so many parties. I was looking out there. I was informed. One of my officers called me and was telling me that a new party had been started. So, you know, looked into it. And it's one of my comrades, very good brother, too, by the way. But it, get, it began to have me to wonder why the need for so many parties, what made this brother feel like he was unable to get with another party and lend his talent and resources, his energy to um, helping that party succeed, helping a party to succeed that had already been and in the mo- and in the motion. And it must, and I was thinking, them it must have been something that he seen that wasn't being presented or wasn't being offered to the masses of people that made him feel the need to create yet another one. So I can't wait to have that talk with him. But then I begin to think, I'm sure people wonder what happened to us. The first original resurrection or um, revival of the Panther spirit, the Panther movement, we find with our, our dear brother Aaron Michaels in the original New Black Panther Party concept and design and how it was forming and when it was ran. What I call the second development is when uh, the Honorable Dr. Khaled Abdul-Muhammad had come into it and brought a different element, and it began, we began to see it take on a different nature. This is more of the era that I had come in 
up under that time in the uh, under the chairmanship of then brother chairman Malik Zulu Shabazz. And, you know, so we know those of us that have been around know the history of that, you know, and how that went. My personal history with it, my personal um, likes and dislikes were the likes. Let's start with the positive. The likes was the camaraderie, I think, the, the unity, the energy, um, the belief. You know, a lot of comrades I was in the party with back then really had a belief in the mission, even though that's one of my dislikes. The mission wasn't quite clear, but the black power was felt, the black energy, the black love, being around like minds. We, I think that it had created a culture, or at the very least, an environment where black power could be expressed in its rawest, purest form. There was no censorship. There was no critique or no criticism. Lovely thing. Sad thing about that, there lacked a, what I call a ideological discipline. There was no clear-cut to me mission. It was, um, man, and there's no good way to say it. I just had to be real. Um, I think it began to take on a very sensationalist element. It began to be who can talk the craziest, in my opinion, who can say really the the, uh, most uh, jaw-dropping rhetoric, who can say something that will capture natural attention. It doesn't have to be back with action. It just has to be sensational. You know what I'm saying? And I begin to see a lot more of that element take over the party and those of us that are politically minded, revolutionary minded, that really wanted to see a practical wanted to see a change for our people through practical programs, through realistic programs that address the specific those specific needs at that time of the masses, what were happening to them. We wanted to present a black nationalism that addressed the, you know, black fatherhood, malnutrition employment, all the things that the 10-point platform and program of the Black Panther Party uh, spells out. And I think that created, if not physically or tangibly seen, just a mindset, a vibration of discontent among certain soldiers. And I think that began to play out. Long story short, without going into detail of that, because I, that's another problem. I'm, I want to go into detail with that. But that is such another program because I'm one of the brothers that I believe that everyone should be offered an opportunity to express their side. And what I'll do when I go into that program, um, I'm going to invite someone from the various parties to give their take on it, their interpretation, their understanding of why things went and went, and, and let's weigh them and just see and throw out notes to bring information to the people. That's what it's all about, being real. Because we got real issues. So ain't no point in sugarcoating anything. Just bring it real to the people. I think we can handle that. Hell, we handle everything else. So that's one. Secondly, um, to go into why the party. So what ended up happening with some discontent uh, when I did chairman step down, Malik Zulu Shabazz at that time, I think that, you know, amongst discontent, it offered an opportunity for some people. I don't know everyone's motives, but it offered an opportunity for um, new leadership. Looking back on it, I think that, did we, you know, was it handled correctly, the whole separating? Because that was the first, I think, when we have to look at the history of the new Black Panther Party in its entirety, in its totality. I think that that moment, the convention in Atlanta with the formal split, with the uh, letter of discontent, 
and the uh, Declaration of Independence and Separation from the previous regime, I think that that plays a part of the history of the Panther movement. I don't think that that should be overlooked or brushed over lightly. A lot of the reason you have a split from these, a lot of these various Panther organizations now came from that, history be told. That was the first real official split under, at that time then, we didn't have a chairman, but later what came out of that was the chairmanship of um, Sister Crystal Muhammad. But that was the official split. You got chapters popping up now, man. There's no charters. There's no official split. There's no, you know, letter of recommendation officially split from other – there's no uh, recognition and respect to previous Panther formation. There's no just – in our movement, it has become so lack in discipline that it has no moral ethic code. It has no moral ethic code. Come on. Let's be real. Those of us from the streets, let's keep it real. If you ran with a gang, a crew, a clique, whatever they were calling it back then, if you heard of another clique popping up using your name, your clique, crew, or gang, or whatever you call it, your street homies or whatever you called it, would go check that crew. You're going to want to know why they felt they had the right or what kind of testicles these cats got on them that they feel like they could use your name rap your style or whatever. There's no respect to the in the black power movement, especially in the black nationalist movement and understanding. We have let the moral and ethic code erode so badly that the worst of niggas can perpetrate the right. Fusing the sincere masses of people who want a change in the conditions in which they live in here in the United States. So we begin to see that element creep up into the parties too. Um, after a lot of hoopla, are splitting from that, are splitting from this, the founders of the People's Black Panther Party realized that what we wanted, though overall was the same, we were more specific in our aims and objectives and in the actions and the strategies we intended to take to achieve those aims and objectives. We realized we were spending more time arguing our point, trying to bring a certain party discipline to people who didn't really want the party discipline. They didn't want to go through what it takes to be a revolutionary-minded and acting individual, but they wanted the look. They wanted the style. See, there's a certain glow that comes with this thing, especially in the, in the so-called conscious community that is mixed with all types of ideologies and philosophies, the black nationalist revolutionary, the black militant, has a certain allure and a certain appeal because it's an unspoken understanding that this mentality, this mindset of brothers and sisters are saying that we will take on the role of defending the black community and creating survival programs. We will be the brick in assisting all the construction work in, in, in constructing a structure of not just black defense, but black uh, uh, progression, government, infrastructure, things so that our art and culture and religious communities can thrive and not have to worry about. This is what the black nationalist Revolutionaries should be saying that will be our part in, the, in our contribution in the black in the struggle for black liberation, independence, empowerment. So with that, 
we began to realize that a lot of our arguments and disagreements were with fellow revolutionaries within our party, that we were spending more energy arguing and discussing with brothers and sisters that should be on the same page with us than educating, informing, and elevating the masses of African people here in America. It had just become a debate fest. It had become who knows the most, who can regurgitate more history on the so-called original Black Panther Party. Who knows this aspect? We start getting out of black reality and dealing with with black uh, problems and bringing black solutions to real black situations to getting into just quoting black facts. We want to become the next black scholar, the next black historian overnight. And to a few of us, it became disgusting, actually. I'm going to be honest. There's nothing wrong with black facts. I believe that the children and black people and adults should know black facts. They should know their sense of work. They should know what we've contributed to society, our greatness, and all of that. It has its place. But it can be masqueraded and paraded in front of the people as revolutionary ideology, philosophy, and concepts, especially those being uh, uh, based and founded on black nationalism. We couldn't allow that. So People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination was formed, and I was, you know, um, man, and listen, it was such an honor. Nominated to, to chair the party, to be the national chair of the party, it was such an honor because the Central Committee or revolutionaries that I've worked with, that I've known worked with within the party, outside of the party, and other progressive black organizations, their reputations were known within the community for being workers, for being hell raisers, those people that don't give a damn real revolutionary spirit, but not giving a damn in the best of manners. They say, what does that mean, Chairman Yang? How do you not give a damn in the best of manners? You not give a damn in the manner of not being disruptive, but always being on the side of justice, that you won't sit and allow injustices to happen in front of you. And your disruption is not a disruption of chaos, but a disruption of a righteous action. So these like-minded comrades, individuals who's had a, had a goal, got together and said, let's form this and let's present the people with this. Now, what is this? What is the people's Black Panther Party for self-determination? First, let me give the call sign. You are exactly listening to that, the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, National Chairman Yang and Krumah. Just giving a little history on it, man, and uh, glad you shared. In fact, that's what I was going to do over my phone line. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's see. If we get area code 512-0915, your mic is open. Uh, honorable Chairman. National Honor Chairman, how you doing? I'm good, brother. Power to the people, brother Messer. Power to the people. Um, I just want to touch bases on the source of why we were formed. You know, um, I can say I'm kind of new to it, but I know the reason why I joined and the outlook. Like you said, uh, I'm a minister of defense. Um, I feel like, you know, we should go inside the communities and get the people knowledge on how to defend themselves because it's been a lot of shootings going on. It's been a lot of church shootings going on. You know, I can keep going on as many problems mm-hmm. as the community have. But like you said, we need 
um, have a nutrition balance and, you know, mm-hmm. better outlooks so self-determine myself to be people as one instead of, you know, having all the facts and the debating. Yeah, I really respect yeah. that outlook that you have. I appreciate that, man. Thank you, bro, Mr. And I, you know, leave your mic open for a second. Uh, and, and just yeah. while you're not talking, you mute, your, mute yourself. That's, no, absolutely. Okay. And that's what we're about. When you say, when you talk about the defense, I think that you have a good understanding of what we're trying to do at the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination. The key word to that being self-determination. We want our people to have the ability to be self-sufficient. A lot of our problems have become, going back to why the party was, was started, was like the brother said, we've seen a lot of our problems came came from a lot of our decisions being made out of the necessity or the dependency on outside forces. See, you are not a free, you can't think freely. The essentials to life, if the very things you need, your food, clothing, and shelter, the three basic essentials of life, are held by outside forces, foreign agencies. And their distribution, those things given to you, are at their will on how they feel. Every four years, they got parties. This is why our party was, 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 was created, one of the reasons. Because we feel like and know that as African people in America, as black people in America who have the history that we have with America, as tumultuous and in some instances as celebratory from the, the chaos that we went through, the bloodshed here, voluntary, involuntary labor that was given, to this country, how how us as a people here are interwoven with this, we understand that you have this facade of running it by a democracy. And whether it's a democracy or not, you run it by politics. Politics run everything. We hold dearly to what our our dear Deputy Chair Fred Hampton Sr. said of the Chicago, Illinois Black Panther Party, uh, whom some call the original, politics is everything and everything is politics. Brother said, listen to what I'm telling you, what Deputy Chairs said. The brother said, every politics is everything and everything is politics. For those of us that feel like we don't want to be involved with politics, politics address your life. From the taxes you pay on food and clothing to water bill, light bill, gas bill, rent taxes, the money allocated to your neighborhood, there's no way to avoid politics if you're living in capitalist United States of America. There's no way to avoid it. You see, so we understood that black people had become just a chip, pawns, like we've always been in this game, and that our future, this is why we're not self-determined as people, our future and whether the basic essentials of life, food, clothing, shelter, and how much we pay for this out of our manual labor, you know what I'm saying, they call it the working poor. The working poor, you working and still don't have enough to survive. How are you working and don't have enough to meet living requirements? I ain't even talking about just luxury requirements. I'm talking about living requirements. The working poor below the poverty line is still working. So they're saying that your labor, every four years you have a people deciding your fate. And like Malcolm said, it's like the wolf or the fox. You have two political parties. Of primarily Caucasian deciding how much to allocate the Negroes through government programs and subsidies every four years. And there's nobody, and you got a few 
black people trying to speak for the Negroes in this whole so-called political arena. But two things happen. One, they become so assimilated that they're not really speaking for the best interests of African people in America. They're apologetic Negroes. They're still trying to show master that everything good. You're a good master. We still your little mocron be nice. I can keep the Negro quiet. They rumbling a little bit, but I quiet them. Throw them a little bit more. And then you got those that are sincere change in this political arena, but the black masses are not educated or informed enough or don't care enough to participate back and endorse these so-called people that uh, or participate in our empowerment, our representation in the political arena because we don't understand politics. Their failure to get that endorsement is the failure to connect with the masses of people. Politics is a foreign language. So here we're in a rock and a hard place. And here's why here's the difference from participation in, in participating in politics and not participating in politics. This is why we said People's Black Panther Party, we're a political def, uh, defense party. We believe in the participation, at the very least, the limited participation in politics, not as a final solution for African people in America. We're not reformists. We don't believe in it as a final solution for black people in America, but we do see the necessity of participating in your own self-determination in the political arena. Black nationalism, wherever you find black people in the majority, we should control the politics, the education, the information, the socialization, culturalization, and every otherization that is affiliated with us. Nobody should control anything that influences, motivates, or inspires us to make an action outside of us. Right or wrong, it should only be us behind the damn steering wheel driving in the car with somebody. Just like getting in the car with white folks say, ride with me, son. Where are we going? Don't worry about it. We're just riding. Okay. You wouldn't do that and you'd have a fit if your children did it. But we do it in our everyday existence. We turn the steering wheel over to foreigners, to strangers, to people that don't have our best interests at heart. They may not have ill intentions, but they don't have my best interest because if I had my best interest, buddy, I'd have my own car. You wouldn't be driving me anywhere. I would be empowered to move myself. So we understood the necessity of politics in this, how politics affects us on a day-to-day. So we said this was the need, one of the needs, to form our, to form this party, to begin to address the politics that affect us directly and indirectly. It was an absolute need. So like the the brother said, the defense minister, not only must we learn to defend ourselves physically, that's a necessity. It's a part of self-determination. You can't be self-determined dead. You have to be determined to live, enjoy life. Everybody tell me, I'm ready to die for this revolution. I'm ready to live for it. I'm ready to make sure my children have the right to live for it, prosperous, and still growing and empowered and secure and safe and stable as individuals that belong to a great nation, a great people. This is our fight to ensure that what are we with self-determinists? What makes a self-determinist? We at the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination say what makes a self-determinist is a humanist. You must be a humanist, one of our political principles. Number one, Out of our seven political principles, it's humanism. What is humanism? We believe that every human being has the right to evolve to their highest 
capability, uninstructed, unobstructed from outside forces and influences. That's it. As a human being, as black people, we have the right to evolve to our highest ability without the influence of outside forces trying to stop us. We know that that's not going to happen without there being some some resistance to these forces. So then we're here to set up programs to begin to uh, enable our people to build up a resilience, to build up a resistance, to inspire and motivate them to want to fight back. A lot of our people have laid down. They've given up. And they've given up so many generations ago that today their seeds, their descendants, don't see the need to resist, to struggle, to fight. They say, what are we fighting for? I don't want to fight. You're fighting for your survival. I'm doing okay. You as an individual have bought into the illusion that everything is fine with you as an individual, which really it isn't, because when collectively you're categorized in a certain uh, box or a certain compartment, department, where you're looked at a certain way, then even as an individual person of African descent, melanated, black person here in America, you're still not safe individually. So it only makes sense, it's only natural to begin to gravitate and to work with people who look like you just to ensure your continuance, your survival to a certain degree, that safety in numbers, we all have learned that you can do more together than you can do individually. It's only natural. But try explaining that to an unnatural people. Ah, uh, yeah, brother, sister. I listen. Don't kill the messenger. That's all I'm saying. Great. Don't kill the messenger. I hate to bear the burden of bad news that the African man and woman here in America is an unnatural creature. Eat naturally, act naturally, so we don't think naturally. Therefore, the coming together, the unification, the solidarity of African people is a foreign concept that a disenfranchised, marginalized, separated people, divided people can't really conceptualize. They can't really grasp that concept. It's it's strange, Brother Chen. It's so strange that we've even attached a ditty to it. When I say a ditty, like a little slogan. You know what we say, niggas can't work together. We've defied it. We've made it into a substance and put it in the universe by verbalizing it. We might as well say, I say, I say, oh, after we say it. I mean, we've made it a prayer. We have made it real that niggas can't work together. Maybe niggas can't. I might be inclined to agree with that. Niggas can't. But there's nothing that the African man and woman can't do. Now, the nigga can't because the nigga is a creation of America. And the nigga has been taught that he is limited. You're right, there's nothing the nigga can do. Nigga has limitations. But that African in you and I, that black in you and I, that thing in you and I that has come from an ancestry that has survived some of the worst atrocities ever visited upon the human race in human history, our ancestors, and we're here to tell that story and to bear witness to um, those crimes, but at the same time provided that opportunity to advance our race and to empower our race. It's an obligation, a responsibility. Yes, the road grows weary. 
Yes, it's a long road. It can be daunting. It can be tiring. It's ours to bear. As my Christian brothers and sisters would say, it is our cross to bear. So let us bear it. Let us bear it with dignity. Because we don't bear this cross for other people, but we bear this cross for our children so that their burden will be lighter. Our fight fight is for future generations. So we wanted to provide a party that thought about future generations. This is not to knock the other parties and formations out there, which I salute a lot of them and a lot of their intentions, but we didn't want to provide more of the same. We wanted to see into the future a little bit. We wanted to sit and we wanted to um, not just only analyze the problem, but we wanted to come up with theories that weren't just immediate, but that would help in the process of self-determination, self-sufficiency. See, a lot of times the emotion takes over. So I sometimes I have to take Facebook breaks. I stay off the Facebook a lot of times. When my mother called me today, I went on the book. And the reason that I stay off the Facebook is because the information, I have a lot of black power friends, and they, I don't think they're trying to shock me. I think they're trying to inform me. Brother Yang, are you seeing this? You've seen that. But if I get 50 of those, if I get 50 Facebook things of this pig beating another black man senseless, oh, the strain that it begins to take on me as a man, as a human being, to see another human being treated like that, but more personal and more specifically as a black man, seeing a brother beat senseless, hopelessly, yelling and waving his arms and crying out while these men stood over him and the looks in their face, ooh, black Jesus. Oh, black Jesus, not black Jesus. It's terrible. So it's hard for me to constantly take that. So I I know if our brothers and sisters are being fed a steady diet of that, this is what makes it easy for a lot of other groups. And I'm not talking about the sincere Panthers. Listen, brothers and sisters out there, my brothers and sisters in the sincere party, it's your boy Yang. I'm not talking about you. But there's groups and individuals know who I'm talking about to take a feeling of, of um, I don't want to say helplessness, but just an inadequate effort. We want to see, like they say, a bang for our buck. We're frustrated. We're angry, especially yes. the man. You had a question, brother? Minister. Uh, no, sir. I was, I was agreeing with, <clears throat> excuse me, most of the times you're using, like, individually, People understand because yeah. they seen what Rodney King, they seen the facts of the brutality that they bring on their oppression. Yeah, and so this breeds when you see this type of brutality visited upon you as a people on a regular, and there's no repercussions, there's no nothing that happens to the people who visit this type of torture, this type of brutality on you as a people. You're angry first nigga that comes along screaming some black power shit. Screaming some, yeah, it is that whitey shit. We moved by it. We gravitate towards it because we are angry and we want to express this frustration. But I call them misery pimps. 
hips of black pain and suffering. Because if you're not offering the people a real program to begin to change and not just change this pain but bring it into it, then you're just playing games. You pimp it. Ain't that what the pimp do? He tell the girl a dream. You get her to sell her body. People's Black Panther Party is not just about change, but about prevention. We're not reactionary. We're responsive. We don't react. We respond. And then we want to put a measure in place, a program in place, something in place that begins to instill in our children not just a culture of survival, not just a culture to survive, but a culture to thrive. We're stuck in survival mode. Most of us as African people here in America know about surviving. We're surviving now. That's what we're doing, surviving. How do we thrive? And the way that they keep us from thriving, one of the reasons the party was created, to come with this collective think tank, because the way that they stop you and I thriving is to keep you and I focused on surviving. How can you think five years down the line? When you're trying, when you're worrying about how you're going to pay this much light bill, this much rent, the child needs this for school, this is going on, that's going on. You're talking about five, five years, Chairman Yang. I'm talking about this month. Got two more days in this month. We have to address these issues, and once these issues begin to be addressed. It opens up the opportunity. It affords us the luxury of thinking about thriving. Thriving is a luxury. Ask your predecessors who were stuck in survival mode to get us to this point of opportunity, to get us to this point of uh, access to the materials that we have to the resources that we have. And a lot of us have bitten into the poison of capitalist thinking, materialism and consumerism. Instead of taking our resources and working collectively and practicing responsible, accountable spending, we practice fulfillment of every desire, every want. Ain't nothing I can't have. It's even reflected in our language. When's the last time you said, I'm hungry, or let's eat something because I'm hungry? We even asked, what do you got a taste for? You're eating for taste now. Creatures of desires and bad and ill habits that hold us back economically. When the African man and woman here in America spend trillions of dollars yearly, out of our black community, out of the very community they say is impoverished. Well, someone's eating. It's just not you and I, dear brothers and sisters. So the revolutionary job, the People's Black Panther Party, the self-determination's job is to take this information and get this information not just to our people but create programs that exposes this deficiency to our people and offers solutions and hints and tips on how to begin to rectify that problem. See, I want to see where the rectification comes in with most of these parties. I know the problem. Shit. I'm on the same Facebook feed you're on. 
I watch the same CNN and Fox headlines you watch. I got the same homies, same homegirls. I'm from the same type of you are. So I understand what the problem is. I'm fed a steady diet. I get a steady dose of what the problem is. When will we begin to become solution-oriented? Finding and looking for real answers. Listen, I'm, I, I like to read. I'm an avid reader. I am a fan of reading. And I read a little bit of everything. And one of the things that had come across my reading list a while back ago, and it's been a minute since I read it. I may have to revisit it. 48 Laws of Power. 48 Laws of Power. I believe his name is Robert Greene. And in this book, uh, there's one particular chapter. It says uh, how to start a cult. And one of the things in how to develop a cult was to feed them a dream that is unattainable. If you want the people to continue to follow you, give them something they can't achieve in this lifetime, and they will spend a lifetime following you in the attempt to achieve the impossible. Yes, I'm the coat of the heavenly moon ladder, and we're going to build a ladder that reaches the moon. That's what all our money is going to go towards, building a ladder to reach the moon. Something that is impossible. And the people will buy into it and spend their lifetime trying to fulfill that dream. We at the People's Black Panther Party see those elements, not calling other parties a cult, but see those particular elements in other parties. You're selling the people an illusion. There's no real steps to what you're selling to people if you're selling them an illusion. A lot of a lot of so-called revolutionary movements or revolutionary parties are there for you to blow off steam. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. It's there to relieve steam. They know you're repressed. They see the symptoms of repression. And it, Excuse me. And they don't have to be psychiatrists, psychologists, talking about old street. Some of us are from the streets. Why do we get in the movement and become, say, and all of a sudden we become brand new? Maybe it's because we want to believe in the whole transformation of African people. Finally, I'm with brothers and sisters who want right for other brothers and sisters. I can let my guard down. I can be myself. Maybe we really bite into the bullshit we sell ourselves. But you're dealing with people that have been in the street, and they're previous street hustlers, and they can read you. They read you. And a lot of cases, it's not difficult because in our wanting and our longing to be accepted and to be around like-minded individuals, we blabber. I desire to have a black man, and I'm looking for this, and I want this, and all my desire is this as a black man. This, and a predator says, okay. And you're willing to pay for that, I see. So I'm going to present all of that to you and more. And I don't care about longevity because it's a hustle, and that's why they call it hustle, because it's moving, baby. It's moving. And it keeps moving, and you get caught up in the hustle, the shuffle, the bustle, and you move right out. You're disillusioned. You're frustrated. 
It's them niggas. Oh, I tried that. Them niggas. It's niggas everywhere. You're absolutely right. It's niggas everywhere. Because there is no shortcut, no quick fix to the revolutionary mind. And the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination is saying that. And we're one of the few parties that are willing to stand on that, even if that means I have to reject a million applications that come past my desk. Some don't even make it to my desk. I mean, I got the minister on, um, the minister of defense for Texas. He'll tell you my chief of staff is a beast. So some applications I don't even get. Because the process to become a revolutionary type, the process to be to say that I am the type of black man or black woman that will take a responsible role, not in charge of it. See, that's the thing. We don't teach that over here at our party. Well, I'll be in charge of the revolution. When the revolution jump out, or when black people need, I'll be in charge. I'll be the leader. That, that's not what we say over here. It's not about being in charge. We're saying that the revolutionary type steps up and says, I'll be responsible. I will be responsible for that. Not the leader. I will be responsible for that action. I will be responsible that my part of that action will be fulfilled, will be carried out, will be deliberate will be uh, diligent, will be thorough, will be all the things that a revolutionary holds to because all of those things are tied to the revolutionary character and integrity. The revolutionary and the nigger cannot coexist in the same body at the same time, occupy the same place at the same time. So the revolutionary and the nigger cannot, shall not and will not ever coexist or never cohabitate or occupy the same body at the same time. Either the brothers are revolutionary or either the brothers are negative. Now, both maybe can change and pretend to be the others for only for a moment. Only for a moment. Because the true you, like they say, the true you will always come out. That's just opposite in the trend. The revolutionary, if amongst Negroes, amongst a nigga, and got to act like the blend, but only for a moment. The revolutionary, because the nigga's going to perform an action that is going to be totally against his revolutionary's code. They can't coexist. The nigga will perform an action that will always be against the revolutionary's code. And the revolutionary has taken an oath, a sworn oath to protect the masses of people. So if he's with the nigga that will perpetrate a crime against an African person or a person of African descent, then his revolutionary ideology, understanding, and practice is in question. You can't even be with a nigga perpetrating a crime against black people. It's called an accomplice, son. Call the conference. And if you help the nigga plan, it's conspiracy. You can't even be in the planning the works anywhere around where niggas are, per- are beginning to perpetrate a crime against African people. It's not the revolutionary code. So that's why it takes work to be a revolutionary because some of us still have those leanings, still have those ties and attachments to homeboys. I know I got homeboys. I got the homies in the street. And they know what it is when they come around me. Revolutionary code. It's the OG. Go around the OG. I know what it is. We don't discuss crimes. We don't talk about nothing. Because revolutionary on what he on. Uh, the OG on what he on. OG say revolutionary. See, that's how a revolutionary is approached. I don't lose my OG status. They have to elevate to come talk to the OG. Still the OG. Still getting that ass. Still going to tell you right from wrong. It's what the OG did and went. Now, I'm telling you why. I'm telling you the plan and the plot behind it. But it's so real. See, when you're real with it and you're true with it, that the homies still will respect you. If 
you got to pretend to be a nigga and you playing the revolutionary, what did I tell you? A nigga and a revolutionary, oh, I'm just saying. So you're not a true revolutionary. You're a nigga pretending to be a revolutionary, went around with other revolutionaries. And the people who like to have a party for self-determination will sniff that out if you get through your 90 days. Ask our minister, he will tell you how difficult it is. Because we understand that the problem we face as African people in America is a complex problem. It's not a game. It's not a game. So we're not here to play games. Either you want to participate sincerely and wholeheartedly in the struggle for liberation for African people, empowerment for African people in America, or you want to go to a Mickey Mouse club and play, then go there and play. They fake a pain do all of that over there. That's what they do. Over here, you will engage real issues. You will learn the skills. You will practice the discipline that it takes to become a revolutionary type to engage the masses of African people, to disseminate our information, to exemplify and display the black nationalist man or woman or the black nationalist man and woman revolutionary type. is a different type. It is a new day, brothers and sisters. We are resurrecting African people into a new type. The day of the nigger is dead. The day of the nigger is dead. The black man and the black woman must step up their game. And we've been given, we had glimpses of our type, but somehow it always gets hijacked. What do I mean? We've had the pious Islamic black African-American Muslim Islamic type. You know, Brother Ahmed, Brother Bilal, Brother Akbar, beautiful, wonderful brothers, have shown us a type, and the type has been beautiful. It has had some beautiful characters, and I'm sure some very positive benefits. I have been that type deeply, that type. And it, I know that it has some very wonderful things, but there are so many things missing and that it doesn't address from the experience of African people in America. And we've had the wonderful Christian type and the wonderful Hebrew-Israelite type. When have we had our type? When we begin to have our type, you see our type hijacked. They say, well, Huey never gave our type. And you see the white communists and the white celebrities begin to come in. They had to, when you have your type, they want to make sure that they can defy your type. So we have to have our type. What is our type? Our type is an all-inclusive type. It must be inclusive. Here at the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination, we concentrate on, when we say self-determination, we understand that our self-determination must be birthed and has been birthed common oppression and the common oppressor that we share as a people despite religious leanings or understandings, despite philosophical views, despite diets, despite all of these things, we share a common oppression and a common oppressor based on our look, the melanin in your skin, what you have been defied by. And as long as this reality exists, I don't care what it's birthed out of. I have those that will disagree and say the Maafa, the Atlantic slave trade didn't exist. Me personally, and since it's 
our program and I'm the national chairman, I'm going to give my personal opinion. I think that's the craziest most to our ancestors is saying that that atrocity didn't exist. Maybe the numbers are not accurate and all of that. Who knows? But to deny that that existed, man. Now I know what those Jews were screaming about when people denied the Holocaust. Man, I, I used to be like, what are they mad about? Wow. The, I mean, the brass, the level that we've sunk to, I guess, to deal with the trauma maybe, that we've blocked it out and now gone to the length, to the extent, extent that we want to deny its existence altogether. Wow. We say that we understand that our self-determination, because we look a certain type, is hindered. And that is interwoven, that hindrance, that obstacle, is interwoven in the very fabric of American society. Therefore, influencing American politics and behavior, social cultural behavior, towards its melanated black inhabitants. What am I saying? We get boo-booed on because we black. We get boo-booed on because we're black. And despite how much we try to avoid that, despite how much we try to run from it, how much we try to disguise it or just outright deny it through accepting religions and martial arts and other things that involve very heavy culturally influenced if philosophy, we embrace them and embrace the lifestyle of that philosophy to escape the niggerism. And it weakens us. Not escaping niggerism, that's not what weakens us. Escaping niggerism can never weaken you. It's not escaping niggerism what weakens us. It's the division of labor and economic resources. That's what weakens us, the division of our labor and economic resources because we can't agree on what God we worship because we can't agree on that. Killings, destroyings. So we have to come together understanding the people's black Panther party for self-determination, understood that very basic principle of black nationalism based on unity and solidarity, based on collectivism, communalism, moving as one, even if we don't agree on what God we worship. We can agree that the treatment that we receive from this society is the same, why? Like I said, it's interwoven into the very fabric of society. So you, in the way that you look, will always be a nigga. That is what made this place what it is. Come on. Come on. Let's be realistic about it, brothers and sisters. America was founded on that. It was founded on murder, robbery, exploitation, oppression, suppression, repression, fear, terrorism. You name it. It has some. It has a terrible history. And not to acknowledge this history and how this history is related to us, how we receive in. See, of course, when the if the conqueror writes history, he's not going to write his participation in history as barbaric and monstrous. He's not going to do that. He's not going to paint himself out to be the villain. It's only natural. 
So his history is not going to read like that. And when you're indoctrinated by his history, after generation, after generation, after generation, you begin to believe your oppressor's history. And you hear messages like this and you say, what is this? What is that brother talking about? Why is that brother sounding so angry? And don't you misunderstand his passion, by the way. Let me say that. Because I'm not angry. I'm very passionate about what I'm saying. But he said, why is the brother so passionate about what he's saying? Because when you begin to believe the history, you don't see how horrendous the treatment towards us as a people was. And you it, and then it, 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 when you don't understand how horrendous it was, you don't understand why you react the way you react or make the decisions that you make. You either work harder to assimilate and conform to your oppressor or you say this, what is wrong with me? I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I'm thinking like this. Because you black, fool. Because you black. And you're forced to be other than what you are. And it has begun to develop a sickness. And you're beginning to develop a sickness. But the people's black termination, we believe that we have an answer for that. We know we have an answer for that. We say simply, race first. They say, come on, Chairman Yang, how is that the answer for that? Because your sickness is related to ancestral attachment, to communal attachment. You know and I know, deep down in you, we know that we have an accountability, a responsibility, attachment to who we are as a people. You see, nature will always win through. Nature will, nature will always win. When I was in New Orleans and I was walking the streets, I saw where the trees, the roots were coming up through the cement, where they had laid a sidewalk, where maybe the tree was a sapling at that time or it definitely wasn't as big as it was at that time. I had never been able to lay the sidewalk, but it was busting the cement, coming through the concrete, like ripping paper. Cement didn't stand a chance against that mighty root coming off that great tree. Nature eventually wins through. So you get to appease your nature when you work nationally as a people collectively. It appeases your nature is working against you, helping to create the sickness because you're trying to think, you're trying to emulate, you're trying to behave and become something that isn't you. First, your body begins to tell on you. You suffer from high blood pressure, diabetes, you got gout, bad heart, your back don't work, your knees bad. Your body begins to tell on you something's not right. Then your mind starts going. Can't remember things. And you're thinking crazy, talking crazy. The body will begin to tell. 
This is why I say revolution is natural. That is a revolution. Your body is waging a revolution. It is resisting what you're trying to feed it physically, what you're trying to feed it mentally, what you're trying to get it to digest spiritually, and it's revolting against all of that BS that you're giving. It's a revolution. So the intelligent man and woman, the conscious man and woman, actively participates in their revolution. Actively, actively participates in what's natural, since revolution is natural, since it's a righting of wrong, a bringing of where there's imbalance. And since it's only natural, the natural thinking man or woman participates actively in their revolution. And this is what we're calling to, to participate naturally in your revolution, to begin to, what is natural, spin with your people. Or not even if you're not spending with your people as consciously, collectively, like you say, as intentionally as you would. I would love to have a financial group, an investment group, to be with black people that know about money and we can put money together and we can invest money and we can deal with the monies. I would love to have that. I think that I think that is so needed. We don't understand money. But before we get that, before we get to that spot or that place, then let us at least, at the very least, and you've heard me say this time and time again on the show, and I'll continuously say it, the very least, let us be accountable and responsible for our spending. Just taking that brief moment to think about where you're spending your dollars. Sit down, start making grocery lists. But even then, the places that you visit as a family or as an individual for enjoyment and entertainment, where is this dollar going? Where is it going? And yeah, it may be like a drop in the bucket, a penny to a conglomerate. We're fighting giants here. This is capitalist America, man. Let me tell you something. Industry has made this country great. Let them tell it. So, yeah, it, it feels like a drop in a bucket. Like the one grain of sand that have all come together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, there's still an individual grain of sand. So that one drop in the bucket, not only will it make you feel better, but once you do the research on this company and what this company supports, then it provides you with a weapon, um, for lack of a better word, to go out and begin to inform other black people, and especially if you're part of a party. I know if you're part of our party, then to in your meetings and in your groups and that's your discussions that you should be having. Senior National Chairman said you should be having these things. In these things that you're having, you can bring this up. Begin to discuss the economic condition of African people here in America and, and some of the solutions. It's a simple one. Just a be aware campaign. I'm going to tell you what I do every time I go in a store because I know it's the small things. You know, I like those little Chinese proverbs, the journey of a thousand miles starts with one footstep. Very true. It is just a small participation in things that begin to start a change, a cataclysm. You have to start the motion. And that vibration will get to going in and begin to, other people will pick on and it'll go. So I tell people in the stores, when I'm in the stores, and they're there and they're like, I'll oh, keep the change too. Say, hey, man, get your change. Get those pennies, bro. Pennies add up. If he's getting four, 500 people a day, if he's getting 
$10 a day free. See, now we're paying him to stay in our community. No, he ain't going nowhere. These niggas, is, they don't even want their change. They don't even know the value of change. I was staying in and get 20 extra dollars a day, seven days a week. That's $140. No, $120 a week free. I haven't sold any merchandise. I, haven't done any, I got $120 a week free. For what? A month? Four eighty a month? Free. No, he's not leaving the community. But we're not we don't think about the mundane things work because we have bought into there again the illusion of capitalist America, which is materialism and consumerism. The dream is so good, the illusion is so good, it even has you thinking you can leave your change. That's how good the dream is. You can leave, you keep the <laughs> keep the change. And if you keep the change and turn around, we ask somebody, can you borrow a dollar? Not no accountable spending things add up. This is what we at the People's Black Man Party self-determination all about. And this is why another reason. We're talking about who we are. This is your brother, National Chairman, Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party, Blog Talk Radio. Talking about today, I wanted to take the time talking about who we are. Our phone lines are always, our phone lines are always open. Our phone lines are always open. So press 1 if you like to get in, comment, critique, question about any of it. And, you know, we can talk about it and we'll address it. We're talking about uh, who we are at the, at the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination. The other reason that we felt the need to begin to start a party was to address just that we wanted to address the peoples. We wanted something that was directed to the masses, that would start to not only inspire them, and motivate them to participate in their own self-determination, but would provide them with the tools to begin to uh, build towards their self-determination and self-sufficiency. See, it's easy to get out there and say, up, you mighty nation, do as you will. Go ahead, black man. You can do it, king and God. But what does that mean? What are the tools? What What do I have to have to construct this lifestyle that you're, you know, preaching to me? It looks good. Yeah, I want to be a king and a god. How do I achieve that? Yeah, I want some uh, reprocity. I want some, you know, get back, for lack of better words. Some, I want to be able to vent my anger towards the system. How do I do that and that really be beneficial for me and help me to build and grow as an individual, as a black person, a black man here in America? See, there's not parties answering that. And that's because that's a big question. How do you go to a disenfranchised people, a marginalized people, a disgruntled people, an angry people? Rightly so. Righteous indignation. Rightly so. I'm not upset with my people for being angry. Rightly so. But now it is time to be able to take this anger and channel it, make it productive. It has become and has not become, it has been and has been allowed to be a destructive energy for too long in our community. It's been addressed. I've I've heard it addressed at many meetings. 
I've heard it addressed on blog talk programs. I've heard it addressed at uh, conferences and lectures. I've never seen it really confronted. How do we confront this energy, combat this energy, transform this energy, politicize this energy, and use this energy for productivity towards the empowerment and liberation of African people? That, my brothers and sisters, is the challenge. That's the challenge. Let's stop. Let's stop diverting energy. Let's stop diverting the people's attention for feel-good remedies and quick schemes to a degree, but let's end the emphasis on protest and begin to sit down and strategize realistically as a people towards the solution to the problem we're facing, man. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Our inability to come together in this time under this administration with the blatant Racist with all of this happening to the exclusion of you and I. To the exclusion of you and I. They have our faith locked in. They're not even worried about They're discussing immigrants and everyone else. They're not worried about you. You're old news. Killing you is old. Nigga, we've been killing y'all. We gave y'all a shot at it. Y'all gave us the best y'all had. Tore up a little shit and protested. We own something new. We We snatching children from Mexican families now. We're on to the next thing. Niggas, old news. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. So now, with no disrespect to my brown brothers and their struggle, no disrespect, I feel you. And I feel you. Yeah, what do you mean you feel me? I know that was racist. I shouldn't have did that. That's my, my essay voice. Man. That's disrespectful, but, you know. They said, what do you mean you feel me? I feel you because they've been snatching the baby. A black parents for you. Defect has been an enemy of the black community forever. They've snatched children because they go to school with their shoes dirty. They've been taking black babies out of black homes since I can remember. But I feel you. I feel you. But why do they get national attention, all the media attention? Oh, it's such a tragedy in the world falling out because they have a political muscle that they flex and they exercise. They have made themselves such a power that their plight will not be ignored. You won't just brush it under the rug. You won't sidestep it. We're not going to let you close your eyes to it. No, sir, you're going to address our issues. And the black man and the black woman has laid down to such a degree that, nigga, your issue is no concern. We've been killing you. We've been starving you out. We've been economically exploiting your neighborhoods. We've been giving you poor education. You had your shot. You had your chance. You had your Martins and your Malcolms and your Meccas. You had all of that. Then we get PlayStation 4, them 20-inch Rams, the new George. You like the new George? You like the new, the new George that came out? The boom beep, the bop, the bop. You let you exploit your women, so we parade the sister on TV. You wouldn't be able to get a woman like that any other way, so at least now you can see her, watch her on TV. you never seen a beautiful woman like that for the world to see. You had your turn. Determination, we believe it. I know your time is not up. I believe in you. We believe in you. Your time is not up. Oh, no. Your time is not up. 
and now is the time for the black man and the black woman, especially the black man that you slept on and stepped on, stepped over and slept over, time for us to wake up and rise up, to unify, to rebuild, to electrify and galvanize the black masses and to lead the charge again. Everybody's ready to believe in you, black man. I'm ready to believe in you because I'm ready to believe in me. I know what's inside of me, and I know that we're from the same cosmic dust, the same energy, the same struggle, the same ancestry, the same pain. That that moves you moves me. That that hurts you hurts me. And I'm tired of hurt, so I know you have to be tired of hurting. We can come together and we can do this. And we at the People's Black Panthers for self-determination, that's who we are. We're saying that we're a communalist group. We're saying that we want and will have and will achieve by any and all means necessary self-determination, self-sufficiency for our people. We will. That is our oath. That is our pledge. That is our commitment. That will be achieved, we understand, not just the political, the social, cultural, or the education, nor the economical ramifications of that and intentions in that statement. But we know we play that on a deep understanding, and that is our spiritual, spiritual understanding, our spiritual connection with the most high in the universe, and most definitely, if you don't believe in that, something you have to believe in for your very existence, where the witness to it is that is the majesty and the power of your ancestry. So that oath is on our ancestry. That we have made a commitment to persevere and not just to persevere and not just to persevere, brothers and sisters, but to prosper, that we will prosper, that we will not lay down and die, nor will we be relegated secondary position in this society or in any society, that we will take our rightful place as the leaders of technology, science, industry, of great people. Our history bears witness to our greatness. And our history bears witness to it. Why well, I said I won't forget our ancestry that came through those hardships and burdens because our history bears witness, witness to our perseverance and our tenacity and our will to survive and not just survive, to thrive. This is why today I can give you this radio program. So the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination is that, dedicated to the ancestry, the memory, the dreams, the visions, the ambitions, the goals, the wills, and the wishes memory, the collective ancestry. And we're determined to find a way to keep our people going. And that's the difference between us. They asked me, well, why didn't you just join with another movement to grow? I did. I, to be honest about it, I've probably been a part of several. Not willing to step up and take the role and it wasn't out of a sense of I thought I was better than any role to be taken, nor did I feel unworthy. I felt like I could probably be a pretty good chairman. I didn't feel responsible. 
Very big difference. I didn't feel responsible. I did. I understood that. That that took a. Um, I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. Um, took a certain responsibility and accountability, and I didn't feel responsible enough to really want to step up and take on that day in and day out. But as the mission became clearer, as I began to understand black nationalism, in its not just in its political understanding, but in its social, cultural, and spiritual understanding, then I began to see the necessity, the need, why I should step up and take on that responsibility and take on that particular position. Once we begin to understand what this means to us and how imperative it is to us as a people, how necessary it is for us for our survival, then I think that we would uh, step up and take our roles. You have to pardon me. I'm having some. There we go. I think I'm bleeding my back over. Then we would step up and begin to take our roles to be made clear to the masses of people that this philosophy, this ideology, is just not a... uh, Mickey Mouse thing, just not a side thing, just not something we do on the side, but it has to be eaten and taken in daily like vitamins and become a part of their way of thinking, becoming a part of their way of life. This is your mission. This is your objective. It's not an easy. No one said it would be easy. I know we sit around, we say we're not, <coughs> excuse me, getting the participation we need. We feel like we deserve The people aren't interested That's the dilemma That's the dilemma That is the challenges we face As revolutionaries As black nationalist revolutionaries How do we stir their interest How do we make the people want to Not even We are not even at the point of a question of them embracing this lifestyle, but being interested in it, giving us enough time to explain to them, giving you enough of their time to explain to them the importance of the message you're bringing. How do you go about that? How do you make yourself as a revolutionary acceptable? And one of the ways that I always advise people to do it is leave colonialist thinking. They say, whoa, whoa, brother chairman, what do you mean leave colonialist thinking? I'm not thinking like the colonizer. I'm not thinking like the colonizer. In some ways, deep down subconsciously we do. We think inferior, superior. We say the people won't take our message. I'm trying to go teach the people. Stop trying to teach the damn people. Go talk to the people. And not even the people that you're not... uh, Accustomed to talking to Stop thinking that we're going in Like the black messiah Like the great wise one Like the great Mahathi Or the wise man from the mountain Going amongst the downtrodden And we're going to drop some prolific information That all of a sudden is going to stir them And they're going to follow us Stop, look like a nut Go to the people That you normally talk to If you're a doctor and you're a black nationalist, go amongst doctors. 
stop with the superiority thing. Think you come. I'm gonna go to the hood and rap to the brother. Let them see where I didn't got to, and they too can achieve. And nigga, you ain't achieved nothing. You ain't achieved nothing, nigga. Your way into assimilating and integrating into a system. Go amongst your people and explain to the doctors and the lawyers, the professionals, the importance of self-determination, us having our own, us having the professionals to begin to come in and train other young black professionals to support, maintain our own. That's what that's about. Not to train. I'm a trainee and I can get you in my company. Recruiting for capitalist America. Train them so that we can have the professional elements back in our community, even if at the onset we don't have our own businesses. And we have to, unfortunately, work for other people. Bringing the professional element, the mentality, and drive back community is a first step to developing our own companies. Because we would have developed a professional community, bringing a professional environment. And when you bring in professional environment, professional community with a black nationalist ideology, discontentment for white supremacist social structures and economic structures begin to set in. What did I say? The black man who is, even if he was trained by white people, understand business, understand money, won't his own. That's what I just said. He won't his own or she wants her own. And if she's in a room or he's in a room with like-minded brothers and sisters, they want their own. And from this collective think, from this communal, communalist think tank, comes concepts, ideas, plans, strategies, and then eventually uh, brought into fruition the baby, the birth of an institution, a business, something that begins to draw black money, black dollars. But first, we must create the environment that these type of elements, it's like being a chemist. We have to create the social and cultural structure that these type of elements can come together, rub elbows, atoms rub together. When atoms rub together, I believe it's some type of nuclear energy that takes place. What about when that black atom rubs together? What type of nuclear energy? I like the black nuclear, that's what we're going to call it. Black nuclear. What type of nuclear energy would take place when two melanated people come together who have been brought together by the same oppressor, same oppression, by the same trauma, by the same ancestry, with the same goals, desires, and vision? Man, woo! Boy, that's hot. That is hot. That brings the Christian out of you. What, what is the saying? What is the saying? Where two or more gathered in my name, those shall, though they're my eye, or something like this. You Christians online, don't get upset with me if I slaughtered the verse. But you understand what I'm saying? He said, when there's more than just one of y'all, when there's a couple of y'all gathered together with the same intention, the same desire, the same wishes. Yes, sir. I was saying there's a beautiful power when two come together in the same mind, they can make a change, like a revolutionary mindset to keep it going with other people. And then they all fall in line. Like you said, there's no empowerment. It's all family. Exactly. Exactly. And they all fall in like the brother said. They all can fall in line. And when all of them begin to line up, when all of us begin to line up, but we line up based on the same focus and goal, and that is the empowerment of African people in America, black nationalism. 
That's it. That's it. The only solution for the black man and the black woman here in America is black nationalism, period. I don't care what anyone says. Study it. Because black nationalism is such it is such a, a, such a philosophy that it can be added to. It is not a dogma. It is not such a strict doctrine. It's not like a religious doctrine and can't take away or don't add to. Black nationalism is open for evolution. It is open for the righteous, for the race-conscious, the race-minded, the race-focused individual to take from these principles and to add to them. This is why this is the perfect philosophy. Because it won't be owned by any one individual. It, it, it belongs to the collective. It is all about what is good for the people. A philosophy, an ideology that says what is good for the people, that says the needs of the many outweigh the wants or desires of the few. You can't be the philosophy that teaches you that that promotes unity and solidarity, that promotes empowerism, that it promotes you being in control of your destiny, that is, by all means, a self-determinist understanding. You can't be an ideology that teaches you that. This is why we understand and know that black nationalism is the way for African people here in America. And this is why we as the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination says we have adopted this as our ideology and our philosophy to be our guiding principle, what is in the best interest African people in America. That will be our guiding principle. Our discussions will be centered around that, our activities, our programs, what is in the best interest of us as a people. And we're saying that we're willing to take the burden to do the study, the research, and then begin the actions of that. But before you take on such a lofty goal, because it's lofty, it is very noble, but it's majestic. Here you are saying that you and your comrades will act in the best interest of black people and will begin to try to inform and to the best of your ability and in all sincerity direct black people to what is good for them. Man, how, oh, man, how, man, the audacity. Jeez. Black Jesus. Yo, that is such a noble, I mean, you, I mean, not just, that's really audacious. You're very, you're saying that I'm going to, to the best of my ability, direct black people what's in the best interest of themselves. Man, and the people want to know, and who are you again? Therefore, before you begin such a task, of, 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 of that proportion You must be trained You must become a revolutionary type A nigga cannot perform that task What do we say A nigga can't tell me shit Excuse my language Verbage alert if we have children and that one, A nigga can't tell me nothing Nigga don't tell me nothing So a nigga cannot perform the task Of Actively guiding you, informing you, instructing you in what's in the best interest for prayerfully yourself and black black people as a whole. Impossible for a nigga to do. He don't know what's good or she don't know what's good for their damn. Possible, nigga, impossible. 
But before I can take on that task, I must begin to transform that nigga within me because I'm from America. I'd like for you to introduce me to a black man or black woman that's from America and say they ain't have a little nigga. First thing I say, I'm going to talk to the nigga and the nigga, you a lie. I'm going to talk to the nigga in you. I'm going to say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Let me talk to that nigga in you. Nigga, stop lying. Nigga, please. I'm going to talk to the nigga in you. Show every black man and black woman here in America, even if it's a smidget, a smidget of a midget of a nigga, must be, that must be removed, provided our party, but sometimes, see, we want the quick fix, all right? People have heard me call it before this, the microwave age. We want the three minutes or less. We want the doo-doo-ping. We want it overnight. So we don't have that what our ancestors had, what you heard me say previously. We don't have the perseverance and the fortitude. We don't have the patience to go through the training that it's going to take. We have uh, my people and my ministers on the line listen closely. We don't, we have to learn these things. It is a discipline. So when we're told to write reports, and I know we feel like we've been out of school, we have to learn the proper way to communicate. We have to learn how to file reports, write reports, keep up with things that we're supposed to keep up to if we're going to function in any type of real capacity or if you just want to play Put in your resignation, there's plenty of parties you can go play with. Plenty of them. They'll send you the patch, the button, the beret, the 09. All you got to do is send in 1995. You can get all that from 1995. Might even throw a T-shirt if you catch them on the right month. But if you're serious about affecting a change for your people, this is where you want to be. And even if not joining, we are who you want to work with because that is our commitment. It's to the people. That's it. The name says it all. We didn't go brass. We didn't go Black Panther Party for the, you know, we didn't go too political on you for the social reformation, the reformation, international revolution. We didn't do all of that. We didn't go ramble on you, Black Panther Party, for an underground explosive tornado, nuclear, blow you up, shoot you, kill you, brigade. We just told you what we are. We the peoples, the masses, what the communist socialists would call the lumping and the proletariat, with the working class and below the working class, with the working poor, with the everyday brother and sister you see on the street, we're the people, bus stop brother, sister. In the convenience store, hey, hey, man, hey, that's us, the people. Black Panthers, because the Black Panther has been a vanguard of the revolutionary movement, black revolutionary movement in America since Fannie Lou Hammer and the Freedom Democratic Party when she first took on the emblem. The Black Panther has been a symbol of resistance and emblem of liberation and freedom fighters for a black American revolutionary struggle. So we took on the Black Panthers. We believe in the principle. We believe in the fight. We're taking up the banner of that fight. For liberation, independence, and empowerment of black people in America. So we took up that fight and self-determination because we believe at the end of the day that is what will deliver black people, being being self-determined 
leads to self-sufficiency. When we say self-determination means we believe we have a right to determine our destiny and not only determine our destiny but actively participate in the direction that our destiny goes, in the fulfillment of what our destiny offers us without the intentional and willful hindrance and obstruction of a natural evolution that leads to that destiny. And we're saying this, if you do do that, then it's called reciprocity. It's called the universal law. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. We will defend our lives and our property. That's what we're saying. This is so there's nothing fancy in the name because we didn't want to give the masses fancy. We didn't want to give the revolutionary fancy. We wanted the brother or sister to know that when you come here, it's not going to be fancy. It's going to be work. But believe me, you brothers and sisters, and you do finish, should you be blessed enough to finish? Because <laughs> I'm tough, and I thought I was tough. My chief is tough. My minister of justice is tough. My people's is tough. My Austin chapter is shaping up to be pretty tough. Got some things they got to work on, but they're getting there. New York and um, give shouts out to everybody. Little, you know, they're, they're, they're shaping up to be pretty tough, but it's tough. But should you get through that toughness, you will be amongst a fraternity like no other in the progressive revolutionary world, in the black movement world, like no other. And I know you have original paths you have. I'm talking about from the 60s, 70s. I'm talking about anywhere. Like no other because this is – a different time, a different movement. A di- we all have camaraderie. We all have a comradeship with any revolutionary that has participated in our liberation struggle. But as partic- we're talking about those brothers and sisters who have participated in this particular cycle, that are participating in this particular wave. My children will be another cycle and another wave, but are participating in this particular wave. There is no other formation like it and the camaraderie built from it because it's built out of not just sincerity, not just on the phone, I'm a baby you, I'm a brother you, I'm a okay, whine to you, but out of the sincerity of a love for the people and calling you to be the very best you can be and to be that revolutionary type that you signed up to be. That revolutionary type that you signed up to be. You asked to be a part of this dynamic formation, so when the foot is held to the fires, we're expecting you to deliver, or at least struggle in the attempt of delivering. We never lay down. Either deliver or struggle under the burden of delivering what you said you would deliver when you signed up. And this is what we're about, because we understand that only until we take our movement this serious and begin to produce the types that take our movement this serious, then it will always be a joke. There will always be people exploited and taken advantage of, and it will always be a joke. It is up to us to raise the bar. We at the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination are attempting to raise the bar morally, ethically, to raise the our level of participation and not just participation in what we call Band-Aid fixes. I'm not talking about a Band-Aid fix. Listen, I'm not knocking your little food program. You do your little food, that's nice, people, that's nice. But we're talking about in addition to and in conjunction with that food program that um, prayerfully is answering an immediate need, that we begin to create and 
aid in programs that um, assist in the empowerment. I was talking to my minister yesterday, and we were talking about a food program. And I was saying that in the food program, that how it needs to be aided, that uh, this sister she was talking about that was working with the food program, I said, well, does she at the very least take the homeless to see if they got IDs? Get them some IDs. How do we get our people functioning in society? See, we have to get out this. I told you that colonist mentality. Inferior, in, superior, inferior. To ease and appease our conscience, I'm going to go feed the homeless. So you give them a plate today. So you come out once a week. I mean, I'm not, I see, I don't, I hate to sound like that. Because I don't want to, I don't want you to feel like I'm boo-booing on you. After you say, well, brother, Jeremy, what do you do? We got programs. We can do that. I can go to one of my cities to show you a program we're doing it. So my mouth is closer to my ears, talking to myself. So we give them a plate once a week. Are we giving them the tools of empowerment? Like I said, do they have identification? When's the last time they had their blood pressure checked? Some health screen. We have to begin to give them tools of empowerment, begin to go out to empower, to be able so I, to give them tools of sustainability so that they can practice sufficiency, become self-sufficient, and practice self-determination. You're a, I say we at the People's Life Every Part of Self-Determination, we are uh, missionaries. Hell, you don't have to go to Africa to be a missionary. I'll call my chief of staff, and we'll give you a city to go to, and we'll put you in touch with somebody who can do the work in that city. If you're talking about going somewhere with you, you can go right in. And not knocking that, that is important work. I all of those that do that work. I have a good friend that went and did that work. That's tremendous work. I am not boo-booing on that work, definitely. But I'm saying for those of you that are not even doing that, that are sitting in Facebook and it, give me a call. If you want some real action, we say, well, where do we start? Contact one of my representatives, and we'll get you started. We can tell you where to get started and how to get started on it because one point, one thing that's for certain brothers and sisters, we have to get started. The time for the talk, the time for the rhetoric is done. I screamed it all last year. I yelled it from the rooftops, from the mountain high. Stop the rhetoric, end the sensationalism, unify, practical solutions, real solutions, real answers for the man. I yell like a madman, like a wild man in the wilderness. I yelled at the top of my lungs. To no avail. No organizations extended a hand towards unity that reached out and said, what are you talking about? What is this madness? Now, our current president is upon us. And you have this chaos going on around us. And what's sad about that is in the midst of all this chaos going on around us, your issues aren't addressed. They're dead. You look Confederate flag, take down, remove it. All the little poo-poo stuff you cried about. A flag, a statue, children are malnutrition. We're being murdered in the streets. People are being evicted from their homes. They're homeless. And you're crying about a statue. And now they don't even want to hear that. Nigga. 
Listen, if you have answers, you can contact us. One eight People's Black Panther Party. Let me see. One eight 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 five nine five seven two seven seven. Again, our number is one eight 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 five five nine five seven two seven seven. Or you contact us at all lowercase People's Black Panther Party at gmail dot com. Again, that's all lowercase. People's Black Panther Party at gmail dot com. Contact me. Contact us. Now have someone get back with you uh, and answer your questions. If there's, and I hope that there are questions to be had because what I'm trying to present, you know, I do it. I come on here and I talk about our problems and prayerfully I offer some solutions and maybe some advice and I hope it's taken and I hope that people come away at least on Tuesday feeling a little bit more empowered and a little more positive about being black. You know what I'm saying? I want to offer that. But today I wanted you to know who is delivering the message, not just Yang as an individual, but us as a party collectively who sponsors for this message to be delivered, who believes in this message, the people behind it, and to know, let you know if there's like-minded brothers and sisters out there, you're not alone. You're not alone. That brother and sister who's working, who has children, who struggles just to be black in America and make it day-to-day and to live a semi-decent normal life to what they call it normal and maintain and struggle to maintain a ethnic, uh, yeah, ethnic, ethnic cultural awareness and reflectance in their house and allow their children to understand the struggle but not bombard them with the hardships of what it really is, you know, deprive them of a childhood. Yo, it's, it's a juggling act. And sometimes it feels good to know that you have brothers and sisters who share the same conditions and concerns. And amongst our sharing of the same conditions and concerns, we strive together collectively to come up with solutions to not only better our living conditions, but as to do what we are held accountable to do and taking an oath to do is to take that information we've come together with collectively to masses to offer an option, to offer a better way than the current way they're taking, the way of self-medication through drugs, self-deprivation through, you know, sisters with uh, blind weeds and blue contacts and brothers with, I, I don't know what you young brother, Lord, black Jesus, I don't know what you're doing, young men, but to uh, offer them, because I believe if you know better, you do better. And if you know better and don't do better, then you're a damn fool and we can do without you. It's just that simple. But if you know better, you do better. So I believe that is the revolutionary's responsibility. In fact, it's an obligation for them to not only go get the information, but to disseminate the information. And if it's not received through verbal or through some video or whatever, that you're trying to disseminate the information, at the very least, revolutionary, listen, at the very least, if you can't get them to accept it through the information you're trying to show them or tell them, then through your example. Just through your example. So saying we've all heard it, lead by example. Then you must lead by example. You must become the revolutionary type. And if they don't get it from you amongst themselves, believe me, you, they will discuss what type of Negro is that. That nigga don't steal. He don't lie. Boy, he writing exact. He tried to be right exact. He tried to be right with the sister. And the brother be trying, you know, man. But yeah, he pretty cool. He's like, what type of Negro? 
and it's opens, and as they, the curiosity grows. See, curiosity emboldens. What you have to understand about curiosity. Curiosity emboldens. Here's what I mean by that. When you're curious about something, you'll build up the nerve to go look at it. You see something you ain't never seen before, you're like, what is that? And you're going to stand there for a minute and look, what the heck? What is And you're going to find yourself easing closer and closer to eventually standing over there with a stick poking it. What the hell is this? It's the same with the revolutionary type. They will find themselves easing closer and closer to you until they're standing over you with a stick poking. What are you? And it provides you with the opportunity to begin to express your ideology and philosophy. But first, that ideology and philosophy, that verbalization, before you had the opportunity to verbalize it, before you had the opportunity to tell it to them and rap to them and talk to them, they had to see it on you. They had to smell it. You had to wear it like a cologne. See what I'm saying? That's where that comes from. And once you attract it, then you can begin to draw it in. And like minds come together, I believe in the law of attraction. And once you attract that type of thing, you can begin to build because that type of thing is what? Looking for a habitat. Believe me, you, you turn on your revolutionary type when you begin to give brothers and sisters who want better for their people but don't know how to express it. When they see it in yourself and they begin to talk to you because they dig your vibe and they begin to talk to you, they say, I found my home. Damn, found it. Somebody that raps, like a rap, know what I'm talking about. They feel what I'm saying. And you provide, and we don't go in with the colonist mindset. Remember this. Why is this important? Brother Chairman, why do you keep reiterating the colonist mindset? Why are you talking about neo-colonial? You never let that pass. Because we suffer from it. We have been afflicted by it. You've been raised by Pharaoh, for those of you that go to scriptural references, meaning you're you're, you're sleeping with the enemy, homie. You've been raised by the enemy. So your thinking has been greatly influenced even to the degree that you sometimes, you and I say you, meaning us, realize it. So we go into things with the neocolonialist mindset. Superior, inferior. We get the group to gravitate towards us, and they digging us and digging our body. They say, I found a home. And instead of providing them a platform to express themselves, to share, to uh, bring together this collective think tank, we want to become the teacher. And there you go. Somebody won't be the teacher. I thought we were just rapping. What happened to the African communalism that Chairman Yang is constantly expressing? African communalism extends past political understanding of communalism, but is a social, cultural concept. It means sharing. My daughter used to tell me when she was little, sharing is caring, Daddy. Especially when I asked something she wanted. Sharing is caring, Daddy. Sharing is caring. African communalism as a social cultural construct or concept teaches us that. So this has to be it because this is what we're building on. The socialization of brothers and sisters, them coming to you, you're talking, build on the social cultural construct of African communalism, black nationalism, which is unity and solidarity. And once you get that, they will begin to espouse other views. They will begin to use in politics and education and economics, and you can address those issues. But the only way you can address those issues is to know 
their views, and the only way to know their views is to listen. Shut your damn mouth. Listen. You want to be the teacher and you don't know what they need to be taught. You want to be the teacher, you want to be the talker, just talking about anything. You're all over the place. You're talking about the first black president all the way to who created the pyramid. Nigga, you're jibber-jabbering. Black facts. You've heard me say I don't knock the black facts that are necessary. It's black history. And I don't knock those people who know black facts. They're necessary to keep the black facts knowable and knowledgeable and alive. But let's not mistake it for those of us that are progressive, revolutionary, black nationals. Let's not mistake the two. That's the problem. We've allowed ourselves to be lumped into that category. Oh, you're talking that black stuff. So everything black, you're affiliating with me. I am a black nationalist, revolutionary black nationalist, meaning my blackism is does cover black facts because I believe in black culture, I believe in black history, but it also covers black politics, education, economics, and my socialization. Not just the culturalization, but my socializing. Culture is the history and understanding of it. The social culture, social means how I take that understanding of it and interact with my fellow human beings, especially my fellow black folks. So I say social culture. So not just the cultural aspect of it, but black nationalism rules my socialization, how I socialize and even whom I socialize with. So don't lump me in the category of that. Don't narrow my understanding and my approach to life. And this is what the people of Black Panther Party is saying, that don't narrow our understanding our approach to life because we understand that the war waged against black America I don't even know if I want to call it a war anymore. I mean, is it a war? Is it a war for us? Is it a war for the oppressor? I mean, are we just a minor nuisance? Are we really waging war? Is it an effort now? A lot of it's self-inflicted. But whatever that wave of negativity of oppression, and even if a war isn't waged, oppression is still felt. The oppression and the exploitation, the repression and the suppression, still coming from a a a outside force and influence to us as an African people is still felt. How are we dealing with that? So if you narrow my understanding, my perspective to life, then you're saying that those things that affect me directly are narrow. And the black nationalists are saying, no, 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 not, not that. They're major. They are major. They are major offenses against us as a people. There are major offenses against us as a people. They are very real, and the institutions that create these conditions are very real. When I say institutions, I'm talking about from the police to the schoolhouse. The institutions that enforce, that promote, that teach, that encourage the conditions of black people in America as a normality, as a way of life, are not our friends. <laughs> when they teach the society that what is happening to some of its so-called citizens, to the inhabitants, even if you're not in the citizen, you're an inhabitant of some of its cities and its regions and its places, that's what's happening to human beings based on the melanin of their skin is uh, a, a minor a minor annoyance. It's criminal. 
But what's even more criminal is the fact that the people that it's happening to have been so brainwashed, have been so beat out of their senses that they think it's normal, that they no longer outwardly show the discontent for the treatment that they're receiving. And if they outwardly show it, that they're so limited in their vision of freedom and their understanding of freedom and the freedom of expression that they're only limited to a few protests and some rallies. They don't think about a realistic economic boycott, labor strikes, things that really begin to catch the attention and at least allow for negotiations with the oppressor. And when I say negotiation, I'm not talking about selling out, but I'm talking about some real talks. Oh, man. They make it acceptable. You know, you got it. What do you say, Brother Minister? Yes, sir. You said something? Yeah. Copy. I was just saying, like, um, our people tend to accept like the policies that they put against us rather than fight and make it freedom of death like people of the Black Panther Party do. No. But we have to, know, you know, we, but our people, and that's going to be a whole other show too because we're running on our last minutes. But that's going to be one of the, our people have to see what they're investing in. What that we're offering, not we, not you and I, Brother Minister, nor the people, probably the people on this program, preferably, but a lot of the parties are offering more of the same, the same dictatorship, the same tyranny, the same rigid and strict rules and regulations that they face from white America and white society they're finding in these parties. The difference is that somebody black. Tell you how that doesn't work, especially when you got entered this party, entered by this neo-colonialist or this colonized Negro, this colonized mind Negro that thinks he's gonna run it like white society. When you get another colonized Negro that gets in there, he say, "Hey, nigga, ain't for nigga, ain't gonna be over me." Two colonized minds are not going to work together. So how do you have these parties masquerading as liberation parties? And this is what they're on. Let's go to our phone lines. 619-0614. Your mic is open. Hey, how you doing there, Chairman? Uh, hey, blessing. Chairman Janelle, man. What's Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, Chairman, I want to – I've been sitting back. Uh, not too bad, man. Still healing up, you know. It's almost going on a year there, you know, what, eight months? Man, it's good. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can hear you. Yeah, it's my blessing. It's my blessing. Yeah, I can hear you, Chairman. It's my blessing. You know, I just want to thank you for holding down the fort and keep holding down the fort, you know, till, uh I get medically released and uh, then it's on again, like it's on right now, you know. I want to yes, thank you so much, you know, um, uh uh, for uh, allowing me to use in uh, 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 the camaraderie of uh, uh, the chief of staff, uh, Brother Ward, you know. 
yes, sir. Yes, uh, Brother sir. Ward have uh, risen to the occasion and <clears throat> surpassed himself with the chairman being down. You know. Yes, sir. I also want to let the brothers and sisters out there know in the revolutionary movement of the passing of our founder. You know, of the San Diego Black Panther Party for Self Defense, Kenny Demon, that passed away a week ago. Yes, so uh, we want to put a shout out to to our comrade that that uh, uh, went home. You know, those soldiers never die; they just rest until they're called upon. That's right. Uh, I can't agree more with what you said. Is that uh, uh, one of the things that the the government here is concerned about is that they're dealing with educated Panthers today. You know, by the grace of God, has been being educated over the past 50 years, so we know where the bodies are buried. The chiefs don't like me saying that, but uh, you know, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to just uh, uh, have all your listeners out there you know, recognize what I recognize, you know, and I've been 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 a Panther since nineteen sixty seven and uh uh holding up the fort and uh 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 we're gonna be okay. You know, we got work to do like you say, Chairman. And uh mm-hmm. and, and, and we know them better than they know themselves. You know, so right. uh you know, we just gotta continue doing what we're doing until it's time for us to increase what we're doing. You know, uh you know they get all these Protesters, like you say, running around complaining about statues. You know, a statue's a statue. You know, <laughs> right. we're not worried about right. something that's, that's, that's fixated and that you can go sit on and throw right. paint on and pull down. You know, we're talking about institutional racism. You know, yes, we got right. people all over the world watching us. You know, the whole world is changing. You know, you know, because yeah. before uh, the third world countries leaning more and more toward the Chinese because they're more. Uh, beneficent, you know, yeah. and less and less people are leaning toward the United States uh, because they're racist, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then you got Russia in the middle, you know, you know. Yeah. But I just want to—I don't want to take up too much more of your time, you know. Right. But um, I had had an opportunity, man, to, to holler at you, and uh, I can't talk too long because it's gonna wear me out. But uh, you know, I, I I love you, Chairman. And uh, uh, I love the people of Black Panther Party, and all power to the people. Man, all power to the people. And Chairman Truman, it's such an honor. To have, I know you haven't been feeling well. So to come on the show, man, it's such an honor. You know, anytime, man. Oh, man, it was, it's such an honor. Feel better, brother. I'm going to keep you in my prayers. I hope you feel better. And uh, I share the same sentiment about Chief War, man. He's the man, man. He definitely uh, is going to get in there and get it working. Listen, uh, and Chairman Truman, I want you back on next week. But listeners, I appreciate you guys spending your two hours with me on Tuesday. Join us next Tuesday, 8 o'clock. We're going to do this again. And I'm your champion, uh, national chairman, Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party, Self-Determination. I had our brother come on, Chairman Trinell. Um, But I leave you as I greet you. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. Black power, all power to people.
studio, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I duck, could it be my time is up, with my love I got up, the cops shot again, bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken, ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat, to the death of it, to everybody, come on, little niggas is grown, hood rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon, sent from the stars, sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers, sick of kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors, if you really think you're ready to Bitches left me cause they thought I was finished Should've knew she wasn't true She came to me when a man caught a sentence 